Another qualifying game, another victory, and just one step closer for the U.S. men's national team. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Along with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, dude? You know what's up? What's up? We are going to Brazil. Oh, my God. We are going to Brazil. No, stop it. Stop it. We are going. We are going. We are going to Brazil. Okay, first off, I'm concerned about your rhythm. You have no rhythm, and yet I'm you consider yourself right a music, now. a music expert, and yet you couldn't even keep a okay, you know it's like not a, an R and B song. It's a freaking chant. I'm so concerned. I'm concerned. I'm concerned, Ivis. But still, I think it's a little too early. I look. I love the chant during the game. It was outstanding. However. You know, I'm going to be the cautious person here. I think it's a little too soon, though, because important game coming up here against Honduras next week in Salt Lake. You know, and if the USA loses, hopefully they do not, knock on wood, but things could get interesting. However, I, I know. I agree. I know. I agree. I was I just kidding. I just wanted to sing this. I just wanted to do a chant one time to, to reminisce on it because it was, it was a pretty special moment you, you uh, know, you, on a beautiful, amazing night in Seattle. You know what it is? You're trying to take my role as the, uh, you know, the singer on the show. Everyone knows I'm a good singer. You know, you're, just, <laughs> you're just trying to take that role for me. Uh, hey, if this was Idol, you would not, have, you would not get a ticket to Hollywood. <sighs> Details. Um, but, Ivis, you actually came back from Seattle, man. How was that trip? It was amazing. I got to tell you, I've, I've covered, you know, I've covered my share of, of national team games. That was actually my 90th cap. And uh, I can't remember, I can't remember a better atmosphere, a better scene around a game before the game, the days leading up to it. Uh, you know, Seattle's just an amazing city and a soccer city in every sense of the word. And, you know, they took full advantage of, of being, uh, being given that game to host. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing night. And, you know, the U.S. team, uh, you know, they stepped up. They stepped up and played what you could, you know, is for my money the best game they've played under Jurgen Klinsmann. I know some people would mention that Scotland game, but listen, folks, a friendly against a hungover and totally uninterested Scotland team is not as impressive as a 2 0 World Cup qualifying win against a tough Panama team. I agree with you on that. We actually have a, a very busy show lined up today. And it's also an interesting show because people need to wait till the very end because we're going to have an SBI show contest. So listen till the very end of the show. Or I guess you could skip to the see, very end. You see, you shouldn't have even said that. I know. Now well, I'm just skip to the end. I know. See, well, I'm teasing it. I'm teasing it. I'm teasing it. Then we have an SBI QA. We're going to talk Cosmos. We're going to talk uh, MLS. We're going to talk uh, Chivas USA. We're going to talk about the lower division teams beating the MLS teams in the uh, U.S. Open Cup. Also, uh, mediocre teams beating the New York Red Bulls. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the USA Panama, which we're going to do right now. Ivis, you talked about the environment. Uh, for one, watching on TV was awesome, but I'm sure being there in person and experiencing um, just the crowd, the atmosphere, the ambiance of it. I mean, you, I mean, you said that was what your 90th cap. I mean, is this going to be your on top of the list of, of best games you've ever been to? Well, as far as games in America, yes, I'd say it's uh, it's up there. I mean, it's tough because. You know, so some of the games in Columbus uh, uh, against Mexico, I think those those have a special place. Uh, I think in in the list because just because of everything that goes into that rivalry, you know, it's hard it's hard to top those. You know, when you think about you know clinching World Cup place in '05, uh, beating them, beating Mexico 2-0, uh, beating them in '09 with Michael Bradley scoring two goals. Both of those uh, pretty tough to top, and also the 2007 uh, Gold Cup final. Uh, Benny Philhaber's game winner uh, once again to beat Mexico 
mm-hmm. Chicago. Uh, those three, all three are USA Mexico games. All three stand out. Uh, just, but I'd say you what I've I, I've been to pack stadiums before. I mean, heck, we were just at DC. I was just in DC for USA Germany, and that was great, like amazing atmosphere. But there was just something different about that game in Seattle. I mean, there was a lot on the line. It was a very important game, and just the way the crowd, you know, the the energy, the passion that they they showed. I mean, it was impressive, and you know. Uh, big kudos to the folks in Seattle, but also big kudos to all the fans that traveled from around the country. Uh, I believe uh, every, I think all but one state in the entire country. I don't know what state it was, but I, I believe, I think 49 states were represented. And, uh, you know, obviously the folks in Portland came up, you know, they, they have their great fans mm-hmm. in Portland came up. and then, But then you had fans from all over the country fill that stadium and, uh, you know, just put on a show, just put on a uh, an amazing display of fan passion, and it really drove the team. And and what really showed you just how what an impact they made was, you know, after the game, you know, talking to the players. I mean, players get get these questions in every single market they go to. What's it like playing here? What's it like playing here? Was it special? Was it great? Did you like our fans? Did you like our stadium? It's it it, it gets kind of boring, right? It get it, it, it you get these same questions from well, the local media. Of course, media. we want we want to feel good about it. We want to be like, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, right, right. But it's just so funny how it's always it's you get the same questions in the press conference the day before the game. You get the same questions in the press conference right after the game from the local media who want to know, hey, what was it like? What was it like? And you know what? You get a lot of cliched answers. You get a lot of, yeah, sure, yeah, it was good. We, it was cool. The people were great. You know, it, it's it, it's always kind of the same stuff, right? But I tell you what, after this game, just talk, listening to some of the players talk about the atmosphere, and you realize it was it was something very special. I mean, for, for someone like Michael Bradley – I mean, this. I mean, he's not someone who just throws praise around like not. You know, he he. When he says something, he means it, and he flat out said it was the best atmosphere he'd ever seen. So that just puts it in perspective for you, just how special it was. The atmosphere was was awesome on TV. There's a lot of positives to talk about the game, and and I want to focus on the positives because this is one of the best performances I think we've seen out of the entire team. Real quickly, the one negative from this that everyone keeps bringing up is the field. To me, I thought the field looked fine. What was your take on it? Well, look, it wasn't perfect, and you knew there, there were going to be some issues with it just when you have uh, temporary grass laid over turf. Uh, but I tell you what, the folks in Seattle did as good a job as, as you could ask in terms of laying it down well, watering it, making sure it was slick, uh, and, and the ball moved pretty well. Um, you know, when I, when we got there on, I think it was it Sunday? Yeah, when we got there on Sunday and checked mm-hmm. out the field, it looked pretty dry. And it looked like, you know, after after the Seattle-Vancouver game, um, it looked like, yeah, this this isn't looking too good. It's not going to hold up. But uh, you know what? They watered it. They took care of it over the next few days. And on game, and on match night, it, 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 there was absolutely no problem with it, uh, at least on the U.S. side. Uh, as far as Panama goes, it looked like they, they had some problems. Obviously, they were slipping and sliding a bit. Uh, there was one play I can recall where one of uh, Panama's attackers was, was getting down the left flank and looked like he was going to beat his guy. And then he just, you know, the grass monster came and uh, got him. So... Uh, it wasn't. It's not the same as as perfect as as permanent grass, obviously. But it was it was not the the the, the tragic uh, fiasco that some people tried to uh, paint it, uh, make it out to be uh, before the game. Which listen, as, as I wrote um, on Thursday on SBI, mm-hmm. U.S. Soccer knew what they were doing. They knew they were taking a bit of a gamble, um, playing on on temporary grass and also playing in Seattle and and taking that extra travel time. Uh, to to go out to the Pacific Northwest, they knew they were take they were those were risks that they were taking on, but they took them on for a reason. 
They took them on because they wanted to have this atmosphere. They wanted to go to Seattle, go to the Pacific Northwest, and and and, and reward the passionate soccer fans up there. And you know what? It, it paid off. It, it it paid off amazingly because everyone saw that what a special place it is. It's not just a place that where the soccer fans only care about their club teams. You know, there was there's there's a lot, lot lot of talk about that. That you know, a lot of you know, Seattle fans are club over country. You know, they care more about the centers. They don't necessarily care about the national team. I'll tell you what, on Tuesday night, the fans that were there absolutely cared about the U.S. and it showed. Well, I think they, what was it, 40,000 was the official number? A little, a, a little over. A little, a little over just, that? Just a shade over. Yeah, well, I mean, they showed up. The, the, the stadium looked awesome. I mean, Seattle, I mean, they, you had, one, you had everyone standing on their feet. You had the supporters chanting the whole entire game, picked up on the TV, which was awesome, one watching on the TV. It was a, uh, it was awesome. And, and I, I read one of the articles on your website, and you're saying that, you know, you can bet that the U.S. will go back there um, in four years from now for probably another uh, hex qualifying game. Uh, but let's talk about the game, though. Let's talk about the performances of, of certain players. I mean, lots of positives to take from this game. You talk about the pairing of Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasler. They look strong again. Michael Bradley looked outstanding in the attack. For you, Ivis, uh, what, what, what stood out to you? What was your knee-jerk reaction from the USA's performance? Uh, well, just some of the th- main points that I'd take away from it. Uh, you know, Jeff Cameron stepping in. Uh, into the starting lineup, in, into a defensive midfield role. I mean, the way he fit in there and played that role was really, really impressive. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has played center back before for the U.S., has played right back before. Um, he hadn't started, that, that I can recall recently, you know, in a while, in the center midfield role. And he's, he, he stepped in, and not only did he play well, mm-hmm. but he allowed Michael Bradley the freedom to really get forward and get in, get into the attack, and and Michael Bradley had one of his be, you know one of his best games uh, ever for the national team. I mean, he for me, Michael Bradley was man of the match. He dominated the game. He really drove the attack in, in a way that just it, it, it provided the spark, and everyone fed off it. Everyone everyone was making runs. Everyone was uh, you know was pressing and defending and, and just covering as much ground as possible. The passing. Was was as good as you've seen uh, from the U.S. team in a long time. So you know what? It, it, it was just you know it all fed off. It all fed off from that from the, the play of the central midfielders. Uh, other other things that stood out. Obviously, Josie Altidore. He just keeps just keeps rolling. You know, he's on, he's feeling it right now. He's playing well. He's getting service. And uh, you know, as much as you know, he, he's boycotting the media a little bit now. He's not talking to media after games or before games. Uh, it's his thing now for whatever reason. You know, because he's scoring uh, goals, baby. Yeah, well, yeah. Let us go do the talking. You know, <laughs> maybe he's, he, he. I think he got a little upset at the criticism about his national team form. I don't know if that's what it is, but you know what? If, if you keep scoring goals, you, you don't have to talk to the media. I guess you, you, you pretty much get a free, free. You get a free ride. But the fact is, he's playing really well. He's 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 showing all the qualities that that you know you people who watched him at AZ uh, score you know fifty goals in two years. You, you're seeing all these qualities. On the U.S. side now, he's he's playing more physically. He's going after defenders now. I mean, think about pa- Panama's two center backs. I mean, they have two linebacker type center backs, uh, you know, in the back there, and Roman Torres and Felipe Beloy. I mean, these are these are beasts, man. These are two of the you know when you talk about a center back pairing, it's one of the more intimidating ones in 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 Concacaf. And he took it to them. He went right at them. He muscled them. Um, so he's really really rounding. Drew into that form. P- drew that PK, which should have been a PK. Yeah, that, that it could have been a PK. I don't know if it was like, oh my, clear. It, it wasn't like the most egregious non-call ever, but 
there are referees who could who would have called it. But um, but yeah, so he stood out, and I'd say also Fabian Johnson. I, I know some people weren't as high on him as I was, but I'd tell you what, man, he he has kind of underwhelmed um, it, uh, on the U.S. team uh, since he since he came in and, and, and started games. He he's been kind of a little up and down, but I, I thought this game he played really well. He he you know he covered uh, the ground amazingly. He defended. He tracked back. He allowed Beasley to get forward in the attack, and 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 the way that Beasley and Johnson combined, I'd tell you what, man, I look forward to seeing them play again uh, together. Uh, obviously, Beasley's out for the uh, Honduras game because of yellow cards, but you know, w- whenever they get together again. Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see those two speedsters work together on the left. Well, do you think it's unfair that the criticism, I guess, that Beasley's getting where, yes, I understand. Look, is, Be- is Beasley the long-term answer at left back? Probably not. But Beasley's providing something for the U.S. that maybe we haven't seen in a very long time, an attacking option from the left back who, I mean, we saw when he broke through and, and hit the post and hit the crossbar and it bounced out. I mean, he almost had that goal right there. I wish he did. It would have been awesome for him. But but with Beasley, though, I mean, you're seeing this with the U.S. You're seeing just a, another level that we've never seen before. I mean, he has he locked down that position un, until maybe st- until maybe he loses it or someone else emerges? Or is there going to be anyone else that emerges at that position? Well, I mean, I don't know who's criticizing Beasley. I mean, I thought he played well. Um, you, you know, he did what... I don't know what he didn't do. You know, he well, got I mean, the attack. He defended well. He didn't get beat. Uh, you know, the Panama was going after Brad Evans the whole night. Mm-hmm. I mean, the few times that they went at Beasley, he handled his business. You know, he wasn't. He he didn't have any problems. So, um, anyone who's I can understand some people maybe having because well, because well, people are saying like he's not a left back, so he shouldn't. I think people are so fixated on the fact that he if you play one position, that's the position right. you play, listen, and you listen, can't folks, play anything else. You are, you know what? You aren't one until you are one. And right now, he is a left back. He's played enough games now against good competition as well, and played well and held his own. And I think people get caught up too much. As I said, the last show after the Jamaica game. Mm-hmm. You know, they get caught up in seeing someone, you know, maybe turn a corner, uh, someone with pace, maybe get an edge on him. But you know what? The fact of the matter is he is fast. And if somebody beats him, chances are they were going to beat whoever else uh, you could put at left back. Um, I know people think about Fabian Johnson and say, oh, maybe he should be the starting left back. But look, listen, folks, when Fabian Johnson plays in midfield, he he does pretty well. You know, he does pretty well and the team does pretty well in the attack. Uh, You know, I, I know he didn't have the greatest game against Jamaica. But, you know, I tell you what, that that combination with Beasley at left back, Fabian Johnson in the middle, mm-hmm. um, there is no reason why that can't be the group for the rest of qualifying. Uh, who knows what happens in the year? Obviously, when you talk about a player like Beasley who has as many miles as he has and, and his age, you know, a lot can happen in the year. He could definitely lose his form and, and maybe someone else emerges. But, you know, what's the rush, folks? Right now, he's playing well. And he's looking solid as a left back. And anyone who thinks he's not, or who thinks, oh, he's looked bad, he he's looked shaky, you guys have short memories, folks, because I can tell you the left back position has had far worse options for the U.S. in years past than than what Demarcus Beasley has been providing lately. What what the level he's been playing at lately is pretty damn good for for that position when you think about the left backs that that have been there before. Um, when, what is it about this team that, that has changed with Jurgen that you've been able to see? Has it been the formation? Are, are they just buying into what he's preaching? Is it just the, the right players in the right places? What is the U.S. doing differently now than, than 
that that we haven't seen before because the U.S. just seems to score goals. I, I think I saw a stat the other day that the U.S. has scored the goal in, in five games or like 5-0-1 or something like that in the games where they score first. I can't remember the stat off the top of my head. I'm sure someone's going to call me out on the Twitter. I'm, I'm sorry, in the comment feed for not knowing that stat off the top of my head. But what is it about this team that, that that's different that, that you're seeing now where they've been able to play this efficiently and this effective and, and this dominating in, in the games that, the last three games that we've seen? Honestly, I think it just comes down to Klinsman trying out players, seeing what works, giving players chances, allowing players to grow on the job, and now the pieces are starting to come together. Uh, you know, obviously, he took over a team that was in transition. Uh, you know, when you think about the back line, uh, you know, transitioning away from, you know, players like Carlos Bocanegra uh, and bringing in new center backs like Beesler and, and Gonzalez, I mean, that was never going to be easy. I mean, these guys had to learn on the job. They... They didn't have, you know, a couple of years of friendlies to, to you know, to, to hone their craft. These guys were thrown into the hex. I mean, they're getting their first starts in the hex. Matt Beesler's first start, uh, his first qualifying start was in Azteca. I mean, seriously, like we're talking about some hardcore, hardcore baptism by fire for these guys. So it, it was going to take some time. And now you'll see a guy like Matt Beesler who, you know, Four months ago, you know, some some U.S. fans, um, particularly the U.S. fans who don't follow MLS that closely, probably thought, Matt Beesler, he's not good enough. He's not, you know, he's not ready to be a starter on this team. And guess what, folks? Four months later, he's the best center back in the pool. And, and, I, and I, I dare anyone to argue that because he has shown it now. He's shown it against top competition. He's shown it every game steadily. He's consistent. He's sharp. He's, he, he provides leadership back there. He is the real deal. Omar Gonzalez, yes, he's still learning. He's still making mistakes. Even in this last game now, you know, where he, you know, he had his shaky moments. And at the end, he, you know, he, he, he let a, a chance slip behind him that, you know, Tim Howard had to step up and make a save on. But again, he's learning. He's also learning on the job. So I just think examples like that um, and, and also trying things. Look, he, he tried different left back options. He turned to DeMarcus Beasley. DeMarcus Beasley's been great. He needed a right back with Tim Chandler and Trundle not available. He turns to Brad Evans, and Brad Evans has is, is, is held his own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things he, he's been tinkering. He's been trying things out. He's been giving players some rope, uh, to, to giving them opportunities. Graham Zussi, another player who, you know, he really, you know, believed in, gave the opportunity to, and Zussi rewarded him, has rewarded him lately with some really solid showings. So that's what it comes down to, right? It, finding new, finding the new players to help the transition, getting those players to mature on the job and and basically learn on the job, and then have them you know gain confidence because of the faith that he shows in them. And that's the thing, right? I mean, you know, Klinsman, you have to give him credit. He does. He's not one to jump the gun. And if a guy has a shaky game, oh, he's out. I got to give him the hook. I'll, you'll never see him again. Omar Gonzalez is a perfect example. He's mm-hmm. a guy who, you know, he's had some games where you, you're just like, wow, like he should not play again or he should not start again. And you know what? Klinsman understands that some of these guys are going to just have to go through that. They're going to have growing pains. They're going to have to learn on the job. So you have to you have to have patience. You have to have patience with these guys. And I think that confidence, him showing that confidence in so many different players, you know, that just as a player, that just makes you want to play harder. That just makes you want to try harder. And and all these guys are responding, um, and it's great. It's great to see, and the team's really coming together right now. Well, what in this in this confidence all stems from what? What did it stem from, Ivis? The January camp where Gonzalez and Beasley were paired together, right? That's a part of it, but I'd say it's more 
him showing faith in them to play them in big games. I mean, him, you know, for Klinsman to throw Omar Gonzalez in the starting lineup and San Pedro Sula against Honduras, I mean, that that was, you know, that was risky. It was definitely a risky proposition. And and he had his shaky moments. But then guess what? He gave him he gave him another chance against uh Costa Rica. He stepped up, had a great game. Gave him another, and then put him in there again in Azteca alongside Matt Beesler. And the, and both those guys responded. So and it's and it's not just the back line. It's not just the not just the center backs. You've seen it at other spots as well. Someone like Brad Davis, even for example, someone who, you know, it, it, you know he's gotten his opportunities and it was you know a little hit or miss. But he slowly but surely has kind of shown that he can be an option. He's someone you can bring off the bench and he can give you something. Someone like Stuart Holden, who you know maybe some other coaches don't give the opportunity that he's given to him. By opening the door to him and letting him know, look, we know you still have a ways to go. We know you have to complete your recovery and you're still working your way back. But we see you as a part of the long-term plan. We want you here. And that and that sends a message, not just to the player, like not just to Stuart Holden, but just to, but to the rest of the team. So I, I think, you know, were there maybe some issues early on with people not understanding what was going on? Sure. Were, were there players who might have been unhappy that maybe they were being phased out? Mm-hmm. Or who didn't understand what their roles were or, or, or whether they were going to get a chance. Yeah, I'm sure that happened. But I think right now when you talk about the group that's there now, the group that, that's going through these games now, this group has been has really come together over all these difficult qualifiers. And now now they're, they're finding that confidence. They're finding that rhythm. And it's, it's you know what? I, I don't see them stopping. I, I, don't, I, don't... I, I have a stat for you. Okay. In 2010 World Cup qualifying, out of the 10 games, the USA scored the first, the first goal, the first goal in four out of the 10 games in 2010. In this cycle right now, out of five games, the USA has scored the first goal four out of five times. That talk about a huge difference because how many times did we watch the US and we were the team that we would have to come back at the end, counter, counter, counter? But now, hey. This is something that the U.S. needs to do, is need to learn. Get the goal, learn how to hold on for that victory. Four out of five games, that is impressive, Ivis. Oh, right. No, they're they're good. they're not afraid to go at people. And even when you talk about the friendly against Germany, they went right at that, uh, mm-hmm. that Germany team and uh, took it to them. So it's good to see, and it's coming together. And obviously, it's still there's still things that need to be worked out. You're still trying to figure out the central midfield. Is Jermaine Jones going to be the guy next to Michael Bradley, or is maybe Jeff Cameron going to be the guy? You're still figuring out the wings. Um, you know, is is it going to be Fabian Johnson and Graham Zusi long term? Is Landon Donovan going to have a place down the road? You know, so there, there, there's still plenty to be worked out. But when you're talking about right now, the team that's there, the team that is currently in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, it, you know, probably still celebrating the victory against Panama and already starting to look ahead to Honduras, that team that's together right now, uh, the vibe in that, in that camp is, is impressive. I got to tell you, the, seeing the, the mood of the team uh, the days before the Panama game and after that Jamaica win, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't remember a t- seeing a U.S. team as loose as that team looked and, and as happy and, and just relaxed as that team looked. And it's saying a lot, man. They've come a long way because I can tell you, I can remember – before the snow game, before the game in in Colorado, the win against Costa Rica, obviously the you know everyone knows the story, the sporting news article that ruffled a lot of feathers and and pointed a lot of fingers uh, about 
the situation with the Klinsman camp, the, the camp, the group was pretty tight at that point. Uh, the, 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 the team was de- – there was definitely some looking over the shoulders, what's going on here, you know, who's talking, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, But then, you know what? After they got the win against Costa Rica, after they got that, that draw, that important draw in Azteca, uh, that started the ball rolling. Because I think those two games and those results uh, may, you know, a, a, it made the team, you know, gain confidence when they needed it. And B, I think it helped the team believe in what Klinsman is trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think it started the ball rolling in his favor. And I think any concerns or any doubts that team, that players had uh, have, have, slowly, have slowly but surely uh, begun to fade away. And now at this point, the, when you see the way the team has come together, I don't think anyone in that camp now uh, has doubts anymore. I I agree. The U.S. right now, excuse me, is on uh, is on ten points right now in uh, in the Concacaf. Well, obviously, now you and I talked about this the other day. The magic number to qualify looks like it's sixteen. The past two, uh, the past qualifying two thousand ten. Uh, the third place team, uh, Honduras, finished uh, with 16. Costa Rica was 16. They finished fourth. And in 2006, Costa Rica finished third at 16 points. The U.S. right now at 10 points. If they can go into the Honduras game, get that victory, they'll be on 13 points. They have four games left. I mean, obviously, we want to win the group here, but 16 is the magic number, and you kind of look like you're in. Not that we want to get ahead here, Ivis, but, hey, things are riding high for, for the U.S. And, I mean, those... You wonder what this roster is going to look like come September. Uh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> come October, if the U.S. can win and Honduras and win in September. But we can talk about that at another date. We can also talk about the roster because there's going to be certain players missing for that Honduras game. Tim Howard and uh, and Demarcus Beasley out of that game. Those are, I mean, t- two huge, huge players right there for the U.S. Right. I mean, you, you knew it was going to happen uh, just with the way the the rules are with 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 uh, qualifying and, and Concacaf and the way the cards carry over. Uh, it was going to happen. You were going to start losing players to yellow cards just because it's so tough to, to, to avoid getting two yellow cards over the course of an entire qualifying cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little unfortunate that Tim Howard got a yellow card at the very, very end of the of the Panama game when it was pretty much over. Uh, I think the referee jumped the gun a little bit and, and, and gave him a quick time-wasting yellow when he, was, he hadn't even had the ball that long. But again, the U.S. is ready. They have Brad Guzan. He he, you know, he's more than capable uh, of handling the responsibility. And then when you talk about the Marcus Beasley, uh, there's going to be some questions about what what happens then. You know, at left back, does Klinsman go with Fabian Johnson? Does he bring him to the back, or does he go with Edward Castillo? Which you know, for me, you know, here we are a few days before the game. I would probably go with Edward Castillo and leave Fabian Johnson there on the left wing, just because I think he brings such a great element to that side of the field. Ivis, uh, you and I can speculate about that roster uh, as, as that game. Well, you know, you and I will have another show before Tuesday's game. Unfortunately, I won't be going to Salt Lake. I'm very sad about this. Ooh, Ivis, I know, I know. Ivis keeps giving me crap about it, but uh, I won't be up there. But you and I will still, we will still have a show before before that date, so we can talk more about that roster um, and, and what the U.S. could be doing. Uh, right there. During the week, there was no MLS League play, but there was U.S. Open Cup play. As always, go lower division teams. The lower division teams went two out of four. Uh, Orlando City upset Sporting Kansas City, and uh, the Carolina Railhawks defeated Chivas USA. Um, but I think I think my favorite part of, of, of the whole U.S. Open Cup was uh, Petke calling the uh, New England Revolution team mediocre after he lost 4-2 to two to the Rebels. I thought that was kind of funny, reading his comments after the game. Well, look, let's face it, folks. You know, Mike Petke, he's not exactly a, a gracious loser. 
Um, I think if you ju- if you lose that game, you just got you just have to take it and walk away, head back home. But I gotta say, without question, for me, the story of that round of the fourth round has to be Orlando City mm-hmm. um, upsetting the defending champions, Sporting Kansas City, knocking off the reigning champs, and also doing it without four key players who you know ha- are in or who are with Orlando City on loan from Sporting Kansas City. So the fact that Orlando City has that kind of depth that they, they were able to, you know, knock off Kansas City in at Sporting Park, mind you. Uh, I don't I don't think anyone in no anyone at Sporting thought that that was going to happen. You know, I thought they figured, you know, Orlando won't have these guys, won't have guys like Dom Dwyer who who's you know, lighting who it, who's lighting it up right now. Right, he's crushing the USL Pro League right now. But obviously, you know, you can't play against the the, the team, you know, that he's being loaned from. Um, but again, Casey, no excuse. You know, I know Graham Zusi and, and Matt Beesler are with the national team, but they still have way too much talent to to you know to, to drop a result like that. But you know what? All credit to Orlando City uh, to get that win, and now they're in, all, on to the quarterfinals, and they play the they're going to play the Chicago Fire next. And, and I think you know, as it happens every Open Cup, I think you know people as MLS teams get eliminated, and as you, you see a team like Orlando City get further, they're going to start picking up. Uh, fans, they're going to start bringing up people who support them and want to see them knock off the the bigger teams, knock off the MLS teams. Folks like Garrett who want to keep seeing the mayhem. But you know what? That's what makes the tournament great. And uh, you know what? Orlando City is a good team. Uh, they might be USL pro, but they have quality. And then and then when you throw in the Sporting KC loanees that they have, um, you know what? They can get pretty far. I, I wouldn't say the Chicago Fires are locked to knock them off. I think that's going to be a great game. Uh, and then obviously Carolina, you know, Carolina, she, it, it, it almost doesn't count as a win against an MLS team when you beat Chivas USA, but still. On, on, paper, real, hey, on paper, it does. Well, on paper, it does. But yeah. in reality, Chivas <laughs> USA, it, it, it's so bare bones now, it's ridiculous. It, they're like the car on the side of the road, on blocks, no tires, no windows, air, 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 no stereo, Nothing. It's just like it's getting gutted daily. We'll talk about that later. But Carolina's Carolina's through now. Um, there were also there, there were other big results. Obviously, New England beating New York, DC United uh, knocking off Philly. That's a big result for them, just to kind of get the momentum going for them to you know because this, this this is a nightmare year for DC. There's no no other way to say it. But they went up to New England and got a point, yeah, which was you know impressive result. And then they follow that up by beating Philly. Dwayne De Rosario hat trick. They're starting to warm up a little, and then they now they play a Toronto team that they should they could they should be able to beat, or they, you know, they have a chance to beat. And mm-hmm. you know what? Slowly but surely, things are starting to pick up in DC. Well, hey, you know, DC is just uh, one two more victories away from being in that final game and qualifying for the 2014-2015 uh, Concacaf Champions League. Anything's possible, folks. Yeah, that is true. So go DC United. <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna root for them, but. It's a good story, and obviously, my, you know, when you talk about Ben Olsen, he's obviously t- taking a lot of heat for for the way the season has gone. I don't know if he. I still, I, I'm not sure he's going to get fired. You know, I think he's going to get the whole year. Um, but you know, I hope they do. They gave, right. they gave him a knife to a gunfight, man. He well, he. Yeah. What? No, without a doubt. But uh, you know what? They're they're starting to show some signs. So we'll, we'll see how uh, this this week goes for them. If they can beat Toronto, all of a sudden there you know they got some momentum. 
Uh, I just, uh, I, I mean, you you mentioned all the teams. I mean, like you said, Orlando City's just stacked. Dom Dreyer is uh, killing it in the league right now. They also some some uh, some other good players too. We'll we'll talk more about the U.S. Open Cup as those games uh, approach. The next round for the U.S. Open Cup is going to be uh, August. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not August. That's the semifinals. The quarterfinals is the next round coming up. That's June 26. Will be the next games. D.C. versus New England. Chicago versus Orlando City. FC Dallas versus Portland. And Real Salt Lake versus the Carolina Real Hawks. Uh, speaking of MLS, uh, some <clears throat> news coming out of Chivas USA today that uh, Chivas Guadalajara is looking to take two players from Chivas USA, which I- I'm shocked that there's players that they want on Chivas USA. And, and you said that Chivas USA is that car that really doesn't have much left remaining. Uh, I mean, what 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 can Chivas USA do now? I mean, what, what's what's I mean, how depleted are they going to be? I, I mean, what is there even to say at this point? Well, before you go saying who who could who could Chivas Guadalajara possibly well, minus want? Dan, my, okay, Dan Kennedy, okay. No, 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 but listen. Chivas Guadalajara is not that good either, man. They're they coming off a pretty crap season themselves. I mean, obviously they have money. They can go buy players. They can go get they, – I, I believe they have Aldo De Negris. Uh They grabbed him. Uh, but, I mean, they haven't signed anyone yet. Uh, supposedly they're looking at bringing Eric Avila and Giovanni Casillas on, mm-hmm. on trial. Uh, to try out and see if they if it's going to work out, and apparently, you know, the chances are good that they take those guys. And I just don't get it. I mean, they are a mess, right? Chivas USA, absolute disaster. They need players. They need players coming the other way. They need like four or five good players. And if they actually lose a couple of players, that's ridiculous. I mean, seriously, I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I don't. I mean. For all the things that have gone wrong, right? The firing of Chelis, the the you know discrimination lawsuit, the the wheels falling off here now in league play. They've lost I don't at least five in a row. All this other stuff, you know, it all you know all the horrible trades that they've they've made over and over. You know, all this stuff has been bad, right? But now after all that, if they go and, and lose a few players to Guadalajara, I'm sorry, folks. That's just I don't even know what you can say to them. At that, at that I mean, I, at, you know what, Don Carver, if you're watching that and you see Chivas USA lose a few players, a, a few of their only pretty decent players to Guadalajara, what? Then you you really need to start asking some questions because they clearly, folks at Guadalajara clearly do not care about Chivas USA. And I know, hey, you know what, that isn't that isn't. <laughs> no, it's like true. Great. No, no, this is true. This is true. I, I showed up to a to a uh, pickup game one time, and I was wearing a Chivas Guadalajara uh, jersey. I was playing with a bunch of Hispanics, and they all called me Chivas USA. They were laughing at me for wearing it. <laughs> they it's, thought you were Dan Kennedy. They, they kept being like, hey, Chivas USA. And I was just like, it's Chivas Guadalajara. They're giving, I mean, all of them are America fans, but they kept calling me Chivas USA. That's, well, I don't know what that has to do with what I was saying, but... What I will say. Is well, how this. they don't. No, was, well, how Chivas Guadalajara doesn't care about Chivas USA. I was just, I was just confirming what you were saying. Okay. Well, listen. I don't know what to say. If they, let, if they, if that happens, MLS has to step in. MLS has to say, "What the heck are you doing? Are you kidding right now? You, you. I don't even know if how many players they have on their roster. I, they do. They definitely don't have a full roster. And now they're going to go. You know, maybe loan a few players. To Guadalajara, that I'm sorry, folks. That's just absurd. If you're MLS, you can't let it happen. Or you got to tell Jorge Vergara, the owner, listen, it's time to sell. Do something. You can't strip it for parts. 
You can't have Dan Kennedy and 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 ten you know people who who you know who won contests to be on the team. You can't do it. You got to have a real team. You can't strip it for parts, or you sell the team. Something's got to happen. I think this is almost this is getting to a last straw point now. This really, I think this. Maybe I'm overreacting. I no. just think that's ridiculous. Well, I, I, mean, I just. I, yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, the the sport, uh, the 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 um, Guadalajara sporting president uh, Dennis Cloes said that uh, it would be an enormous boost for both Chivas USA and MLS if either one or both players ended up winning a roster spot in a club like Guadalajara. I, to me, that just that, <laughs> that gives Chivas USA a boost, getting them some players. Yeah, they to, that that, would that be a big boost. That to me what says they don't care about Chivas USA or MLS at all whatsoever. They don't yeah, care. I don't know. I mean, listen, I've heard good things about Dennis DeClosa, but if he honestly believes that 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 he's helping Chivas USA by taking a few of their better players instead of getting them like a half dozen players, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. I mean, you just throw your hands up and you say, you know what? Just when you think it couldn't get any worse, it gets worse. Okay, but, okay, but let's just say realistically, what what could MLS actually do? What What could Garber do? Could they freeze operations? Could could they force a sell? What could they do? I think Chivas USA's owners are going to own that team for for the rest of this year. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think MLS can do anything in the middle of the season. But you know what? I, I tell you what. When, when the when those owners get together, when they have their board of governors meeting, it has to be on the agenda. What do we do about Chivas USA? It has to be. It has to be on the agenda. And I don't know if it it means finding someone to buy them and move them, someone to take them off Vergara's hands. And maybe that, maybe that's what's happening, right? Here's a completely crazy scenario. Maybe Vergara is just going to just completely strip this team, tear it apart, mm-hmm. force MLS to, to you know make him an offer, find him someone to buy them. Maybe that's what he's doing. That, that, maybe that's what he's doing. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's definitely what's happening. I just don't get it. I just don't know what else to think. What else could you possibly think they, they they couldn't possibly manage this team any worse than they have. Oh, are you thinking like the uh, like the movie The Producers, the Mel Brooks, where they're just trying to tank it and make it the worst thing ever? Well, I'm not really familiar with that show, but that sounds like what they're doing. What? Come on, Mel Brooks. You don't know the producers? I know who Mel Brooks is. I know I know of the producers from Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I, I never actually saw the show. Ah, uh, well, the premise is that they're they're trying to get rich by like overselling like this Broadway play that's going to be horrible or something like that. I mean, maybe it's not the same as Chivas USA. That was a stretch, actually. Stretch on my part. My bad. <laughs> um, I watched it the other day, so I, I love Mel Brooks. It's on the top of my head. Um, speaking of MLS, uh, there's actually some games this weekend. Not that many. There's only five games uh, scheduled for for this weekend. All of them are going to take place on uh, on Saturday, on uh, June 15th. Uh, the most notable game is going to be the Portland versus uh, FC Dallas game. Uh, you talk about two teams right now vying for that first spot in the Western Conference. Uh, that's going to be an exciting game. Uh, Dallas is going to be without Blas Perez. Portland, uh, I believe, also will have uh, Donovan Ricketts and Ryan Johnson back for that game. Um, and, you know, I, was, I think that with Portland getting their players back, I think that that they'll be able to defeat a Dallas team that's still without uh, Blas Perez going, going into this game. Well, are you sure Portland's getting all their guys back? Yeah, I believe so. 
I believe so. I will. I will. I I will double well, check and confirm that while you say your piece. But uh, I, will double, <laughs> I will double check and confirm that. I'm pretty sure Rodney Collins, Rodney Wallace is going to stay with Costa Rica. I think. Uh, I think they do have another game. Boom! Right here, two of those players will be turned. I'm, you know, I'm reading this on the S Soccer by I, this website right here. It's called Soccer by <laughs> Evis. I think is that how you say it? Evis.net right here. I'm reading. That's I'm, how you say it in Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it says right here they'll be back. So boom! There you go. Well, that's two of their four. Is Footy Danzo back? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I just saw Donovan Ricketts and Ryan Johnson right there. Right. Well, the Jamaicans are back because they're they're done. Mm-hmm. They're, their hex is over. Their coach is gone, given the boot. It's it's time to think about 2018 right now if you're oh, Jamaica. Right. So Jamaica's sitting in that in that in that uh, that zone where Canada's been sitting for several months now, where they have to think about the 2018 World Cup. But I tell you what, Portland Timbers and FC Dallas they played each other a few weeks back. It was a great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are obviously two of the top teams uh, so far this year. Portland, uh, 12-game unbeaten streak, a little disappointed. They had to be a little disappointed dropping points to Chicago when they were winning 2-0. But I tell you what, man, they just keep finding ways to to pay, to rack up the results, rack up the points, whether it's uh, Open Cup or league play. And uh, now they get to host Dallas. Now they, Dallas has to go up there and uh, – you gotta like the Timbers. I gotta like the Timbers' chances. They they go at everybody they face. I, I thought they were the better team when they played in Dallas. I thought that was uh, you know, the way that game went. I thought you know, questionable penalty, uh, penalty kick, uh, penalty call that that helped get FC Dallas to draw there. Um, I think Portland's gonna win that game, but it's gonna be a good game. Nothing against Dallas. I think Dallas has shown that they have they have quality, mm-hmm. but I just think the Timbers, man. Uh, you know, it's tough to bet against them uh, when when you're in at Joe Winfield. Yeah, I agree. The the twelve game unbeaten streak. Hopefully, Portland will keep that alive. It's been uh, exciting and fun. And then uh, in some other games, DC uh, is taking on Toronto. Uh, both teams right there. That that you know, DC is going to go into the game. They're coming off a uh, off a draw with the New England Revolution uh, on uh, last week on June eighth, and they're coming off a uh, U.S. Open Cup victory. So obviously, um, you know, things are are going to be more positive going going into that game for them. Uh, what do you, what do you think is going to happen in this one? Well. Uh, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Also, Chris Pontius uh, had a concussion in the U.S. Open Cup game. Sorry, I meant to mention that he might not be playing in this game this weekend. Well, DC United, they're, uh, they're I think they're starting to feel a little more confident in that camp. When you think about the going up to New England uh, uh, and tying a New England team that was on a, on a nice run, and then to go uh, go down to Maryland and uh, beat Philly in the Open Cup, Dwayne DiRosario lighting it up. I think they're starting to feel, you know, a little momentum, a little momentum. Mm-hmm. Toronto, though, Toronto is their, their their season hasn't really got much better. I mean, the only news out of their camp lately is is them cutting Terry Dunfield. Wait, you know, they waived Terry Dunfield, uh, which you know, I don't know if it was super shocking. I mean, they've had some other midfielders establish themselves, but you know, I think I think Dunfield's a good player. I think he'll find a home somewhere as much as it, it could be tough in MLS just because, you know, he, he counts as an international for the American teams. The Canadian teams don't aren't an option at this point. Vancouver already traded him and Martin Rennie isn't a fan. Uh, Montreal won't, you know, they don't need, they don't really need him. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's tough to figure out TFC. You know, they, they, they're in a lot of games. They blow a lot of leads. Uh, I like DC. I think DC is going to win that game. I think they're going to, st- they're starting to slowly build some momentum. They, they're actually for the first time in I don't know since April, they climbed out of the bottom of the SBI MLS power rankings, thanks to the the, the Titanic you know shipwreck 
that is Chivas USA hitting bottom. Uh, but I got to go with DC United. Maybe may, maybe De Rosario is really going to start waking up now and playing like an MVP, and, and, and maybe it's time they start turning things around. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Columbus is uh, taking on the Montreal Impact. They're hosting the Montreal Impact. Uh, Montreal Impact, you know, they're having a fabulous season. DeVio's looking excellent up top. Um, for, for for Columbus, I mean, they, they, they show moments of of times when they look dangerous and, and exciting, and they have other times when they're just flatlining and they're really not much to watch. Uh, but I think Montreal will be able to take the uh, victory in this one. Oh, you have to like their chances. I mean, think about it, right? Columbus, they had to play their Open Cup game in Chicago. The game got pushed back because of the weather. Mm-hmm. It was played on Thursday afternoon, so they had to sit some guys to try to make sure they had enough fresh legs for the Montreal game. But obviously they had to play a bunch of guys that are going to play in both games. Now they got to play a Montreal team that is rested, coming off a bye. Uh, they're going to be the fresher team. They're already the better team, but they're also going to be the fresher team. So... You have to like their chances, um, and I think they're going to win handily. Um, and then you have uh, Colorado Colorado Rapids uh, taking on the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, it will be the first game of the Mark Watson era. San Jose going off and saying that their uh, their their search for a coach is going to be um, international, but they're going to still give Mark Watson a chance in this game. But I mean, you talk about two teams going in completely opposite directions. Um, I, I think Colorado will be able to take this and 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 really prove a, to prove to be a team that is is going to stick around for the rest of the season in the Western Conference. Whether or not they make the playoffs, that's another question. But I think they'll still be a team that that's going to be there, and I think they'll be able to beat San Jose this weekend. Well, I'll tell you what. I think I don't think I'm alone in getting the sense that San Jose is already looking to 2014. Right? They part ways with Yalo. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened in that meeting, who knows? Right? But you have to wonder, right, what happened? Why did Frank Yallop leave? Um, and the fact of the matter is this team just isn't playing well. I don't think Mark Watson's going to wave a magic wand and all of a sudden the earthquake's going to look like the supporter shield earthquakes. I don't see it. I think they have some serious issues, uh, and I don't see them turning, turning it around against Colorado. You know, I think Colorado, they had a, they had a week off, they had some rest, and I think they're going to come into this game, and, and I think they're going to win. I, I think they're, they're on a nice run. They're getting players back healthy, and they really are primed and poised to make a run, uh, a run at a at a playoff spot in the in the West. I think they're you have to like their chances, the depth that they have, the players who who emerged and helped carry them along when they had all those injuries. You have to give Oscar Pereira a ton of credit uh, to get the team through that. So uh, I I don't think we'll be the only ones picking Colorado in that game. Uh, in the last game this weekend, you have Vancouver taking on uh, New England. New England's been – I love watching New England right now. I mean, watching Lee win and, and, and Rowe is really developing. And Juan Agadello is providing excellent distribution up top. And they have Diego Fagundes looking, looking fabulous so far the last four or five games. Uh, I mean, however, though, I mean, that being said, New England is still a very mediocre team taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, I'll take New England in this game. What do you think? Okay, so you just said how much you love them. <laughs> you listed half their team. 
<laughs> and then you call them mediocre. I was I just mean, I, I was joking with what Petke said. It was a cough cough in there. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. So you had to do the New York accent, so I, I could know you were talking about my pitch. Okay, I should have put it in quotes. I was joke. I was joke. Mediocre. Yeah, I was. I was keeping the Petke. The are mediocre. I was keeping. Quote me on that. Oh God, when I interviewed sorry, that, was, that was like a New York slash Boston accent. I don't know what was going on. I thought that was pretty good. Maybe we should do a whole show where we do accents one time. Uh, yeah, I gotta work on my. Accent. I, I, I gotta work on my. Uh, I don't, I, you know, even though I'm from Jersey, um, you don't um, have a Jersey accent. I don't really have. Even a Jersey though, accent. even though you grew up on the tough streets, you did not have a Jersey accent. Well, you know what it is? I have a different. Like you know how it is. You have different voices that you. You have different dialects, inflections, depending on the situations. Mm-hmm. Now, if I went back to my, if I went back to <laughs> oh my, my hood, stop right? it. If I went back to Passaic, New Jersey. Or you know, or any of the other places I lived when growing up, I would talk. You know, I might talk a little differently. I might. Uh, people who who know me a long, long time can can attest to that. But you know, I don't know if I have the Mike Petke, the New York, the New York. You know, I'm trying to my my Mike Petke. New England is mediocre, mediocre. Quote eh, me on that. No, nah, I'm not buying it. All right, I got to listen to a few more Petke uh, tapes, but. Uh, Okay, back to New England, the team that we were actually <laughs> talking about. Uh, you know what? They, they're they're impressive, right? Their attack's impressive, although DC managed to, to to stifle them. And of course, I think I'll blame that shutout on the fact that I started two New England players in my fantasy team. They were doomed at that point to not score any goals. Um, but going, to, you know, they have to well, travel. New, New England, New England dominated DC in that game. They just couldn't punch it away. Right, right. but but still, so they have to travel across the country. They haven't always been the best road team. Um, going all the way to Vancouver, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I think Vancouver showed some good things against Seattle. Obviously, I don't, I'm not sure what the injury status is of Andy O'Brien. Uh, that's definitely an important one for them mm-hmm. uh, if they don't have him. That, I mean, they already don't have Jay Demerit, who's slowly working his way back. Uh, I can't believe he's already rehabbing and, and running, apparently, uh, from his Achilles. Um, but, you know, Vancouver, man, their, their attack is pretty good. Uh, they've shown some good signs over the last few weeks. And, you know, if they, you know, I thought they had Seattle on the ropes. You know, they were up 2-1 in Seattle in front of 55,000 fans, the Sounders fans, before uh, Seattle came back on them. Um, it's not going to be easy. I tell you what, the Revs, it's going to be a good test for that that tough knowing the defense. And uh, I got to go, I got to go tie. I'm going to go tie. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I'll go with New England uh, in the uh, in the victory. Um, we uh, let's drop down to Division Ivis. Let's talk New York Cosmos. They're they're picking up some recent headlines uh, for some player signings. They just signed um, not Brazilian star but Spanish star Marcos uh, Senna. <laughs> okay. okay, he won the 2010 yeah. World Cup with Spain. Spanish star, and then the, uh, they also signed. Um, he was on that. He was on that team. Uh, yes, I believe so. And then they also signed. Uh, I think he was on the Euro team. Oh, I'm sorry, on the Euros. Uh, you know, let me double check that <laughs> as you talk about the Cosmos. Uh, but they also signed another player. I'm going to butcher his last name, uh, Kashi Wasi. Um, and the yeah, Cosmos don't landed. Don't even bother. And don't the Cosmos bother. landed a new TV deal. I, look, I, I was, what, what do you make of all this? Well, they're they're putting a team together, right? I mean, I think their owner, they have they have some deep pockets. They have owners who who have aspirations of of really making a big splash in New York, and I don't think people have figured it out that I, I don't think people comprehend what what they could possibly be doing that doesn't involve MLS. 
And my theory on it is mm-hmm. I think they just want to build the strongest possible team they can build so that they force – maybe force an issue there. Whether it's that, that – you know, maybe, you know, some – maybe MLS down the road thinks about them as a third team. Maybe they go – you know, if MLS goes to 24, six teams, 24 teams, 26 teams, whatever it is, have a third New York team. Or maybe someone uh, buys the Cosmos brand. And then, and then, you know, maybe the Red Bull, maybe they buy the Red Bull. Maybe the Red Bull, I'll tell you what, here's the theory. If the Red Bulls struggle over the next four or five, three, four or five years, NYCFC just just takes off, right? Dominates New York. Red Bulls can't sell tickets. Maybe the folks in in Austria decide, you know what, we want to sell. You know, we're not seeing the return. Maybe the Cosmos buy the Red Bulls, right? That's a theory. That's a possibility. Or, no, 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 I'm just saying. How realistic is it? Who knows? But I would say this. Or, if you're the Cosmos owners, you want to try to put together as good a product as you can to, to, to compete with, with MLS. To com- and, and obviously, you know, they don't have the, 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 the same financial muscle in the NASL as they, as they do in the MLS. They don't have the TV contracts. You can't really compete with them on the same exact level. But, and ASL doesn't have salary cap. Um, there are new owners coming into the NASL who have money and who are, are not afraid to spend the money. I think you're going to have a few teams now. I think you're going to have three or four teams in the NASL who are really going to start to spend and, and build some really good teams and some teams that you could say are comparable to MLS teams or at least close to MLS teams. And I think that's the, you know, maybe as a league. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, you know, close the gap mm-hmm. with MLS. Does it mean they're trying to uh, compete exactly and be on the same level as MLS? No, I, I think that's a little bit of a reach. As a when you're talking about league between league and league, that's tough. But you can, if you you can have some teams though, if they have the owners to get to to with the financial muscle to do it, it's possible. You know, I think when you talk about the Cosmos, when you talk about Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's got owners with some money. Indi- Indianapolis as well um, has they, they have owners with, with some money, so I, I well, think Indianapolis people, I think is like almost at like four or five thousand right now for season tickets. Right, so yeah, I, I think people are I don't know I I, I think people are, are a little narrow minded when it comes to what exactly is going on and what are the Cosmos doing. Clearly, they're doing things on a bigger scale than anyone would have expected for an NASL team, but I think it's just a matter of trying to give themselves as many options down the road. Because you know what? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're going to have a team in New York, you have to do it big, right? I mean, you can't have some small potatoes team. I don't know. And make headway in New York. It's just not going to happen. So they're going to go sign a player like Marco Senna. They're going to go fill their roster with players who are MLS caliber players. And, and, that, and that's what they're doing. And you know what? I, I don't get It's funny to me because I don't really understand. I'd say what? It's amazing the angst and animosity and hatred that there is for this team that hasn't even played yet. Every, I mean, we, we, we've, we've been putting up a bunch of news on the Cosmos because they've been making news. They've been signing players, uh, making TV deals, getting uh, sponsorships. The you know Emirates, uh, you know, signed them to a shirt sponsorship. So you know what? They're making moves, right? They're making moves. Uh, they're making the kind of moves that we're used to seeing MLS teams make. Um. And people are interested, you know. Anytime we, it, this is one of the funnier things for me. Every time we put up a Cosmo story on SBI, uh, it gets like a hundred comments. It gets more comments than MLS stories, right? 
And, and what kills me is that a, a good number of the comments are actually people saying no one cares. And it's like, you know what? You're an example that of someone that it that cares. You care enough that, to hate it that you still care. Just because you have a problem with it and you have an issue with it, you still care. It's striking a nerve, whether positive or negative. I think there are there are Cosmos fans. Uh, believe it or not, there are. I've met them. I was at, I was in Seattle, and you know, I was at the AO pregame party. Mm-hmm. I met some I met some Cosmos fans. Uh, I was in security. I was in the security line at Sea Attack Sea <laughs> Attack Airport. I, I see a Cosmos shirt. So you know what? They're coming around. So as much as some people hate it, as much as some people are just want to stomp their feet and say this team doesn't exist. Stop living in the past. They're a ghost. No, folks, this team is real. They're going to start playing this summer. Deal with it. All right? It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You can hate them when they get here, but you know what? You can't deny that it's coming. A uh, couple couple things real quick. Uh, you're right. Senna did not play in the 2010 World Cup. Uh, he was taken off the roster for the most evil man in soccer, Sergio Busquets. Um, I heard also that you were raging pretty hard in Seattle. Um, those are what my sources told me. And then um, <clears throat> here's, here's a thought, and, and I don't want to open up a Pandora's box here. But is there any chance in the future that NASL, let's say, has enough money from their owners and they're, they're an emerging league that they try to pull some some type of, you know, what we saw in the past with the ABA and NBA merger or the AFL-NFL merger? Could, could that happen, Ibis? You know, I don't know if that can happen, but I think it's kind of along those lines, right, where... It just it seems like that right now. It, well, just, it just seems well, like that's what the NASL is well, trying to do. Well, here, here's what I would say, right? When you talk about those kind of situations, those leagues didn't set out. I don't think, if I can recall, those leagues set out to to create and run and operate successful sports leagues, right? I don't believe the ABA started up with the express goal of merging with the NBA. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was the ultimate goal. I, I could be wrong. NBA historians out there could totally disprove it but i don't think that's what happened i don't think the afl uh no now we're going 50, we're going back well, 40, I, I 40 think, years now. i think if, if i if i remember correctly because like i said i mean i was negative like 30 years old when all this happened <laughs> um, but i think the aba tried to force a merger with the nba and I, and i believe the afl the american football league i think sued the nfl because the nfl had a type of monopoly over the market and tv and, and structure and stuff like we're that. really getting away from the point i, I know i, I know i don't think the nsl is doing what they're doing so they can merge with mls right full stop that's mm-hmm. not at all what's going on here what's going on here is they you have a league with with owners with a, a growing group of owners a growing group of of owners with money who want to go about running a soccer league a different way than MLS runs a soccer league? They want to be able to spend what they as much as they want, build teams the any way you know the way they want. They want free agency. They want a, a free market, and they want to see if they can if they can build a successful league that way. And you know what? It's not the MLS, right? It's not MLS. It's not MLS. It's not MLS. But that doesn't mean it can't be successful in its own on it on its own, right? In its own right, doing it a different way. And I think that's basically what's happening here. I think the Cosmos, they don't have a salary cap to worry about. Mm-hmm. They, have an own, they have owners with apparently deep pockets. So they want to build – they want to see what kind of team they can build, right? They want to see if they can put out a team that's as strong as any team in MLS, right? And, and then, you know what? They're going to compete in other competitions. They're going to be in the Open Cup in a year. 
Um, and we're already seeing it now with NASL when you talk about um, you know Carolina. Carolina's you know making a bit of a run here, and I think now you'll see more than more of that maybe a year from now when mm-hmm. you have more NASL teams that have uh, stronger rosters. So I, I just that's what it is, folks. I think NASL is just getting stronger because they're they're bringing in. Uh, more more owners with deep pockets, and and you're going to see a stronger league. And the Cosmos is just one of the pieces of that puzzle. It, it's going to be interesting what happens in New York, especially with 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 having three teams. It, it's it's going to be it's going to be very very fun and interesting to see how all of this is going to develop in the in the Big Apple Ivis. Yeah, I agree, man. I think it's going to it's because you know what. It, there's so many people in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area that I, I think there's enough fans to go around, right? Because I think you're going to – clearly you, you have your Red Bulls fans who are – you know they're established. they got the mm-hmm. diehard Red Bulls fans. You're going to have New Yorkers who, who you know latch on to NYCFC, especially if they do things the right way. If they build a good squad, they bring in some stars. How can you not, right? Especially if they're playing in, in, in one of the five boroughs, which is pretty much what's going to happen. If they're playing in, Bron- in the Bronx or something like that. They're going to have their fans. And then, you know what? You're going to have the Cosmos who are going to appeal to a certain section of the population. I, I think it can happen, right? I, I think, you know, three three New York teams in MLS, I think that's pretty far off, right? I think that's a way – you got you got a way to go before that happens. I think maybe 10 years from now, right? Mm-hmm. But I think three teams in general, I think it can happen. I think you could have two MLS teams and then you could have a strong NASL team. And I don't think that would be a bad thing at all, right? Because you can have them play each other. You can have them play in friendlies. They're gonna, they, they most likely will play an Open Cup in the U.S. Open Cup. So, hey, you know what? The more the merrier. The more owners, the merrier. It makes for, uh, it, it makes for a, stronger, a stronger American soccer landscape. Ivis, uh, I agree with you on that. I think it's going to be very fun in New York. Uh, just to have three teams competing against each other. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we have now approached the part of the show. Where we're going to be doing the SBI Q and A uh, before Ivis and I record the show. Obviously, and since this is recording, uh, Ivis will tweet out a uh, send us any of your questions. So for people who are like, oh, I want to have a question read on the show, we Ivis and I record the show like what Ivis uh, Sunday night, Monday morning sometimes, and. Thursday or Friday, Thursday night or Friday mornings. That's when we usually record the show, like ninety percent of the time. So, so pay attention during those times. Uh, first question: We had a bunch of people uh, send Ivis questions. First question that we picked out is from uh, Jonathan Wilmoth on Twitter. He's at Wilmoth I M M Law. Uh, what the? Here's the question: What the hell is going on with my beloved sport in Kansas City? One win in five. We just don't seem to have any answers when Plan A doesn't work. Well, I, I'd say it's not exactly panic mode time. You know, not having Graham Zussi and Matt Beasley, that's you know, those are big big absences for them, even though, yes, they, they have some depth. Um, I think when you have, you know, so many options, it's you can almost have too many options, right? And I think Peter Ramiz is still trying to figure, in, figure some things out as far as combinations that work the best, right? So I, I think the team, when you look at the roster, when he has everybody, when they have Zussi, when they had Beesler, mm-hmm. now they have Teal Bumbery back. I, th- I think he has to figure out the right rotations, the right combinations to work. And you know, clearly, not having Beesler and Zusi for, for, for this long stretch has not helped at all because those are just two guys you can't you can't make up for what they give you. I mean, I know Ikepara has played well, but he he doesn't give you the same things that Beesler does as far as passing out of the back, helping spark the attack. 
Graham Zussi is one of a kind, right? He's not someone you can replace on that on that roster. So I think once you get those guys back, I think they'll find that rhythm. I think they'll be fine, right? Uh, you know, it still remains to be seen what's going to happen with Kai Kamara. You know, I, I personally don't think he sticks around. I think they sell him this summer. Uh, if I were a betting man, I'd bet on that. But even if he goes, I think that. I think the pieces are there. I still think they're going to be one of the top teams in the East, and I think they'll be all right. You know, it's tough to go through a whole season rolling, right? MLS is about slumps and streaks, and it's about making sure your your slumps happen earlier in the season and make sure your streak happens at the end of the season. So I think for me, Casey, I think they're going to be all right. Uh, next question comes from uh, Milena at Twelfth Lady. Will AZ Kicks it go steady with me? Yes, I will. Uh, the next question is oh from Oh my god! <laughs> the next question is from Brad at Flirting. No flirting on the show. There's always flirting on this show, Ivis. Uh, the next question is from Brad uh, at Brad in KC. The question is: Any question uh, whether Jermaine Jones uh, returns right away or is out as a precautionary due to a great a great sub play? Well, you know what. I tell you what, the, the con- he had a concussion, right? And as much as Jurgen Klinsmann told anyone who would listen that he was okay, I have I have my questions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he was out. He looked like he was out cold in the Jamaica game. So if he had a serious concussion, and then a day later he flew ten hours, which you know, from what I've been told, was probably not the smartest thing to do. Um, I don't know if you rush him back. I really don't. I don't know if you take that chance. I think you let him rest, you let him recover, and and you don't take any chances with it, you know, because Jeff Cameron played really, really well. I thought he was outstanding. So if you don't have to rush him, why would you rush him? Why why do you, why mess with his health? You know, from my understanding, I don't think it was his first concussion. So you know, I, you know, if you're if you're the U.S. soccer medical staff, U.S. national team medical staff, you should probably be air, probably be airing. Mm-hmm. On the side of caution. So it, it, for me, I don't think he should play, and I don't think he will play. Uh, next question is from Kyle Potter. He's at kpot underscore o seven. How do you rate the atmosphere in Seattle compared to other U.S. men's national team games? Best ever. If not, what's your top three? That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, you know what? I have to think about it and see something else. People have to should realize is like from my perspective is, um, you know. What what's the press box set up like? Is it open air? Is it sealed where we can't really hear it all? How, hear it as as clearly as you hear it from the you know people in the stands. How good uh, is the food? Well, that doesn't ma- mean anything to the atmosphere. <laughs> CenturyLink Field, uh, the press box is closed, right? So so we even though it was closed, we could still hear it, right? We could still hear the chants. We could still hear still hear it all, and it was pretty pretty impressive. I mean, the fan, fans were standing for the whole match. Uh, singing the whole match, great tifo before the game. Uh, it's up there. It's it would de- I would say it's definitely in the top five. Uh, just off the top of my head, if it's in the top three, I'd say the other two that are in the top three for me. Um, let me think. I'd say the 2005 USA Mexico game in Columbus. Uh, USA won that one two zero, and that that clinched the World Cup uh, spot for the US. So. That was, you know, that was doubly, doubly sweet uh, that night in Columbus. Uh, and then another one for me that, you know, it, it, the U.S. had already clinched. But from an emotional standpoint, uh, USA Costa Rica in 2009 at RFK Stadium mm-hmm. after the Charlie Davies car accident, uh, you know, people were really emotional. 
you know, it looked like he was he, he could have died or, you know, or he nearly died. And, and, and the fans obviously had the great tribute for Charlie Davies. Uh, and then, you know, for the U.S. to rally and score an equalizer at the very end, Jonathan Bornstein scores the equalizer that puts Honduras into the World Cup and knocks Costa Rica out. Uh, that that just that scene and that the, the, there was an emotion that night that um, I just you know it's tough to it's tough to remember another another day like that um, so I'd say that was another one and then uh, it, it, the third that comes to mind for me was the 2007 Gold Cup final uh, in Chicago USA Mexico uh, even though the crowd at, at Soldier Field was was you know definitely pro Mexico. Uh, just the, the fact that the U.S. was able to to win that game, uh, Benny Failhaber scoring that late winner, uh, you know, th- those three for me stand out. Uh, I think I think uh, the Panama game is right there. It's right in that mix. Uh, it's you know, if I did it, I'd have to really really think about putting them in order. But I think those four uh, stand out for me, and also the the USA Mexico game in '09 where Michael Bradley scored the two goals uh, when it it was like a, it was like a monsoon hit Columbus that night. I thought the temporary press box uh, was going to fall apart, uh, be blown away. Uh, I think those five. I'll, I'll just go with those five for now. I'm sure I'm forgetting one. Um, actually, the Panama USA Panama game was actually my 90th cap as a reporter. So uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting another one. But when we're talking about USA games at home, mm-hmm. those are the five that stand out. Uh, if we're talking about anywhere, uh, USA, Mexico, in South Korea, at the World Cup, USA beating Mexico at the World Cup, for me, that and then the USA beating Portugal, those two World Cup games, uh, I was lucky enough to be at those two. And the Algeria game, then in Donovan's goal, those three are probably the top three when we're talking about anywhere. Uh, what happens when you hit 100 caps? Are we supposed to like honor you or something like that? <laughs> I don't think I get anything, man. Uh, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Uh, I think I'll knock on wood if everything goes well. You know, I'll, I think I'll get 100 caps next year probably, so... Hopefully I get there. I don't know. I don't get anything. That will so. be that will be one epic party, bottle service everywhere. Oh uh, yeah, you know I have been known to pop a bottle here and there. Um, but uh, look, look at you. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not the first. I'm sure other there there are a few other uh, reporters that that have gotten. I would imagine have gotten or already have on your cap. So I think you know. I I, I think I don't know. That's a good question. I wonder. I th- there might be actually fewer journalists who've gotten hundred caps than there are. Uh, players i'd be curious to see that list yeah maybe uh last question uh we have is from alonzo vacuerano he's uh, at alonzo vac 30 the question is ivis who do you think will fill in at left back with no beasley against honduras i'm gonna say edgar castillo i, I think you really keep fabian yeah i think you keep fabian uh, fabian 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 Johnson uh, on the left wing. Well, that's the thing, you know. I feel like European guys say Fabian, Fabian, and I hear other people say Fabian. So I'll say Fabian. I think Johnson stays at le- on the left wing. I think he gives you something in the attack uh, that you know you want to keep him there. And I think Castillo uh, Klinsman has confidence in him. You know, he's played in really big games and uh, for Club Tijuana. He's played in Libertadores in some really important games against some stiff competition. So. You know, I, I don't think he's someone who's going to be too, too, you know, swayed by things. Uh, and it should also be noted <laughs> that, you know, Fabian Johnson didn't have the best game in Honduras at left back against Honduras. So, you know, maybe he's better suited uh, further up the field. Um, 
But again, it wouldn't shock me if Fabian Johnson played left back because now you remember, Zussi's back. Graham Zussi's back. You could slide Eddie Johnson to the left, play Zussi on the right. Uh, you could definitely do that. So it's good. either you go that route, but I think, I think personally, I think Edgar Castillo gets to start. Excuse me. Uh, that wraps it up for the SBI Q&A. Like I said I, uh, before we got what, it. What, you had a burp? What the? No. <laughs> it sounds I, uh, like you having a heart attack. I think I'm going through puberty right now. Um, <laughs> the uh, As I said before, Ivis and I record the show either on Sunday nights or Monday mornings uh, or Thursday nights or Friday mornings. So pay attention to, to the Ivis' uh, Twitter feed as uh, he'll tweet it out, the ask questions if you want to get your questions. As everyone, every, as always, Thank you, everyone, for submitting your questions. Okay, now that brings us to the end of the show, which we have an SBI contest. And if you and if you if you skip to the end of the show, how dare you, Ivis? What's the contest? Well, you know, since I was in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I was able to get my hands on a you know a few scarves uh, that were handed out at the wait, game. Wait, wait, wait! Did you steal them from the seats from people who? No, no, they oh. have extra. They always have too many. They always end up giving journalists that are there. You know, we get our hands on a couple. I have one for my collection, but I am going to give away a scarf. I am going to give away a scarf from the Seattle game. So if you want a scarf from the Seattle game, you uh, this is what you have to do. You have to go to iTunes. Mm-hmm. Give the SBI show a review and a rating. And if you do that, and, and, and in the rating, uh, put... SBI show contest, um, then you will you will be entered in, in the contest, and we will you know we'll leave it open, uh, and uh, I will I, I will announce the winner on the next show. So you have between now and and probably Sunday evening uh, to to put in a review. And now I'm not gonna I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna tell people to to give us five star reviews. I'm not gonna say that. Uh, but let's face it, folks. I don't think I'm going to give the con. I don't think I'm giving the scarf for someone who gives us a bad review. I'm your chances, imp- your chances improve greatly if you give us five uh, yeah, out of five. Yeah, I'd say I, I'm just going to keep it real. The chances are probably a little bit better if you give us a better review. Also, but- if you don't trash us either in the comment, your chances increase even better. So, so, so the the best case scenario is you give us five out of five, and you say that we're the greatest podcast ever, and Garrett and Ivis are hilarious. Uh, you could be first on the list just with that right there. <laughs> That, yeah, I think that's a bit of a stretch. I think you, you can pretty much get away with ripping Garrett. Uh, you can do that because I think every, most people like doing that anyway. But if you just give us the five stars. Th- thank you. Yeah, you give us five stars, your chances are good. Chances are good. Unless you really give us a really funny review. But, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get our reviews up. And honestly, you know what? We're, we're looking for feedback, folks. We're, we're not just looking for praise. You don't have to tell us we're the best show around, even though I, I personally think we are. Um, but you know what? If you want to give us some some tips, things you like, you don't like, things you, parts of the show you enjoy, don't, and, don't ask people to give tips. They're no, all, all they're going to no, do is well, say hey, how it's. Con- it, you know what? I you know what? We want to give the reader listeners what they want. So if there's something you like, something you don't like, let us know. <laughs> That's what it's for. Oh my god! So, but again, remember: the better the review, the better your chances. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm just gonna let you know. I'm just gonna keep it real. That's how it's going. I will not be reading these reviews, Ivis. You can handle all of this. Then <laughs> you're gonna be hiding under your. Bed. I will be hiding till next week. <laughs> oh man, he's not, uh, he's gonna stay away from iTunes for about a month. Now. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be staying away. Ivis, uh, that wraps up the show today, man. Um, we we pretty much 
broke down everything there is uh, in the, uh, the that's on the burning in the American soccer mind. Anything that we missed? I think that's it, man. Uh, I will be in Utah mm-hmm. starting Sunday. I get to Utah on Sunday. We'll probably record the show Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we've gotten a few shows now without a guest, and uh, that's pretty much Garrett's fault. But um, what? what? I think, no, I think... that's not. How is that my fault? Well, there was at least one show we were supposed to have an MLS coach who shall remain nameless. But uh, you know, you didn't come through. But I'm wait, not who was that again? Against you. Wait, who was that again? I'm trying to think. Uh, I can't. I won't say who he is, but he's definitely not mediocre. Man, I a, booked. I booked Arshavin <laughs> for. The, okay, first off, I booked Arshavin for this show, and I was like, I don't want him on the show. So I'm trying to book players too. Who's gonna understand Andre Arshavin? We don't need to understand him. He could just giggle for ten minutes, and that's a fantastic but that's your, interview. But that's your, but that's your role. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh my god, that was such a softball. That's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Uh, folks, that was actually not pre-scripted. Garrett just set himself up. Yeah, that's pretty good, Ivis. I'll give you that. Even at your old age, you can come up with some uh, some good jokes. Uh, I try, I try. <laughs> Ivis, uh, awkward pause there. All right, that wraps up the show, man. Uh, you have a uh, safe trip out to Salt Lake. Everyone, if you're going to the game, have a safe trip as well. Ivis, though, have a, have a great weekend. Yes, thank you. I'll have a a good weekend as well. Everyone, uh, Father's Day's on Sunday, in case anyone forgot. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure half the people on the show go, oh, crap, it's Sunday. So get something for your dads on Sunday for Father's Day. U.S. takes on Honduras on Tuesday for Ivis. For Ivis Kolarsev, excuse me, I'm Garrett Cleverly. That wraps up the SBI show. Thank you for listening.